Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of What Most People Think Breaking News. Now, look, I won't be doing these every single week uh, as we go on, but it is the end of Labour conference. And for balance, I thought it would be a good, a good, a good opportunity to give a bit of our time to Sakia. To Sakia, get that glitter off me, you fuckwit. Um, but yeah, the, the now with the main podcast, the adverts are due to start next week, but we're still just... Uh, I don't even know what technological stuff there is to sort out, but I'm assured that there are things that we need to work through. But there has also been a rise in people signing up for the Patreon. No doubt some of those is because you want to continue getting it ad-free, and that should be starting within the next week or so, week and a half. But I thought, why not just bang out another episode? Bang out? Was that the right word to use? Um, Just a couple of shout-outs to people from the main podcast. I asked uh, Simon Evans. By the way, do listen uh, to the main podcast this week. Simon Evans was on sparkling, lucid form. Um, But we were talking about misters, and I... I thought that misters represented some sort of qualification, but um, n- neither me nor Simon um, knew the answer. But thanks to all the people that messaged in, uh, Peter Kennett, who emailed what most people think UK at gmail.com, it said, When doctors become surgeons, they go from a doctor back to a mister. What a shit, like, what a demotion that must feel like. Doctor, doctor is a thing. Like, I mean, to show how powerful doctor is, is even today. If a woman says, I'm dating a doctor, women will automatically go, doctor? Mm. They make the noise. They make the doctor noise, don't they? Doctor? Mm. No, mister, mister. Yeah, they know it's one above a surgeon. And then people go, yeah, but it doesn't sound as sexy. Uh, so thanks for all the people that messaged in on that. Um, one of uh, my Patreons, one of the things about being a patron, uh, if you go to Patreon, you can um, sign up, is that you can direct message me. And, and big shout to Sean Compton, who sent me uh, kindly sent me a copy of his book, which you can get on Amazon, The Accidental Manager. And I'm, I'm, uh, I've got a bit into it, and yeah, I don't mean I've got a bit into it, I've got a few pages into it, and I'm already loving it. It's a brilliant idea, sort of peak, picking apart the murky world of, of junior and junior football. It's um, it's really interesting. I mean, they, anybody that has a child that's involved in junior football today will know that it is political in in the small p sense of the word. And there's some mad stuff that happens. I mean, even with my 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 son's team, the local FA said that because uh, obviously a lot of the parents shout too much, and that, you know that is a that is an issue. But they said in shout, instead of shouting one week, uh, we're just going to have clapping. So when the kids do something, well, you clap. And I got to say, it was the most surreal thing. 
Um, I've got to come clean. The mistake in the audiobook, which people have been getting in touch about, uh, it isn't there. Now, I'll tell you what it was. It was in the extra chapters. There's a chapter about dads and about how the word dad is always associated with bad stuff like dad bod, dad dancing, dad jokes, right? And at the end, it's quite a long chapter. I went, fucking hell, that was a long chapter. And me and the guy in the booth both laughed and I said, keep that in. And I said, I'll double check with the publisher, keep that in. I double checked with the publisher and they agreed that it was funny and we all agreed to keep it in. And then I listened back to it when I was on the way to Cheltenham Literary Festival and they didn't keep it in. So... But what I'll do is I'll go back through the Patreon messages and I'll find the first person that left me a correct answer and you'll get two free tickets to a spring show in 2024. So a quick thank you and a fuck you. Um, The thank you is to all the people leaving five-star reviews on Amazon for the book. Remember, if you've read the book and you enjoyed it and you just have an Amazon account, even if you didn't buy it from Amazon, you can leave a review there. Mr. Jay Moore, Neil from Nottingham, P. Kennett, Mr. Addison, Jason Mann, Stoy, John, another John, Mindy Mode. Um, we caught up with all the ones. Paul Wilcox, Janet, Lubna N, Simon Compton. There you go. There's a bit of quid pro quo for you. Amazon customer, Mark Appleby, Matthew McDermott, another Amazon customer, ABC Warrior. So look, if you uh, leave me a five-star review, then I will uh, read your name out. Now, on that note about reviews, so um, I will read out some of the recent five-star reviews for the podcast at the end, um, but the fuck you is to me this week. It's to me. There's a, I had a review, had a review on iTunes, and this is from Harold, and the title of it, and this was already worrying me, it said, Whining and Begging. Like, oh, shit. I've tried to stick with Jeff, but it's tiring. Tiring? I mean, listen to a podcast, it's tiring. A lot of whining and nostalgia. Okay, maybe I'll give you that I whine about, you know, wanting people to come to the shows and buy the book. Nostalgia, look, if you don't, this, I mean, there's a lot of nostalgia in this book. I, I can't, I'm not going to make excuses for that. Even more begging for your money, buy my book, see me live. And I would say that in fairness to Harold, is that, Recently, I've started a tour and had a book out. So I understand that probably I've been going on a bit. And thanks to everybody for um, sticking with me through that. Obviously, that will kind of calm down a bit over time. Uh, That means these podcasts are twice the length that they should be to hold your attention. Okay, twice the length. I mean, yeah, I probably talk about it for maybe two to three minutes an episode. Twice the length when they're coming in at around an hour. I'm not sure. I think you're being a bit dramatic here, mate. Um, but I would say you're right on one thing, is the podcast, I have made a conscious effort to make them a bit shorter recently because that, that's the kind of length I want, you know. I like, I like about 45 minutes, 50, 50 minutes. I think that for the main podcast, that is, um, that's a good length. And then, and then Harold ends by saying, done with him. <laughs> now, could I just say, Harold, look, I think what's happened here is that what's really happened is you just fell out of love with me, okay? It happens. I think that you're searching around for reasons. But the truth is, that you ran your course with me and I just want to wish you well and um, you know you're going to go on and you're going to find another podcast that you love I would say there's a strong chance that they might plug their stuff too but just don't let that get in the way of, of, of a beautiful relationship and, and listen Harold if I if I see you out and about with other podcast guys I'm just I just hope we'll share a nod and just uh, accept that that what we had was a beautiful thing, but sometimes those things come to an end. Most All right, enough of the emotions. Let's get talking about Labour conference. I realised I realized that's quite a funny in to Keir Starmer, isn't it? Look, enough of like actual human emotion. Let's let's talk about Keir Starmer. 
So I'm recording this on Thursday morning and the Labour conference came to an end. And weirdly, Labour don't end their conference with the leader giving a speech. They ended it on, on Wednesday and it was it was uh, Wes Streeting's turn. So, so, so Keir's sort of like, it's a bit like a headliner going on before one of the support acts. I think it's a bit of a... I think it's a bit of a dick move, personally. The headliner should always take on the pressure of closing the gig. Now, Keir did his big speech, right? It was much anticipated, well, I don't know, within a certain section of the Labour Party, it was much anticipated. And I would say, if you're playing Keir, bingo, we'd had a director of public prosecutions before he even hit the stage. There was a lady on before him that hit his USPs. And it is weird with both Keir and Rishi, the amount of time these boys hit their USPs these days. You know, people say about me, yeah, I grew up in a semi. Um, <laughs> there was one point where he said about, I love a pebble dash semi. And there was Maybe I shouldn't have read anything sexually into it, but it didn't. It sounded a bit gross. So before we even start, right, we had this protester run on. And um, what a shock. I mean, first up, it was the most exciting thing that Keir Starmer has ever been involved in. And it was also the worst pro- protester ever. This lad runs on with a blazer. I mean, it's just the archetypal, what people have in their minds when you think sort of clueless middle-class protester. He rang on and went, look, you got to stop, like, you know, the thing. <laughs> it was almost like an old Harry Enfield. If Harry Enfield did a, a protester character, it'd probably be something like this. And the stuff is got a change happening. And he had this little blazer on and he, he looked like he'd failed an audition for a boy band and... I mean, I still don't know what the guy... I still don't know what the guy was banging on about, right? And and what was stunning, like genuinely this is a problem, is how long it took anybody around um, Starmer to react. That guy could have had anything, man. He could have had a knife, he could have thrown acid in his face, you know. So that that was pretty poor. And and then he, 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 he pauses... If the point of a protest, this is where middle-class protest fails so often, is it ends up achieving the opposite to what it's supposed to. So he poured glitter over Starmer, which sort of suggested that this lad didn't even have the front to do an egg-in, you know, a good old-fashioned egg-in. He's like, here's some glitter, deal with it. What was funny afterwards is being a, a classic bloke is Keir Starmer. It took him a whole couple of minutes, I think, to occur to him that he could just take the jacket off. I mean, that is fair play to him for bloke points there. And a lot of women will identify with this. It's just, it doesn't occur. It's in the same way we sit on a couch in an uncomfortable position for ages and it doesn't occur to us to use pillows to support our posture. It just didn't occur to him. You could just take the jacket off. And there was a very um, experienced Labour staffer lady that just come on and went, maybe take the jacket off, love. Sadly for Kia, I mean, what was it he said afterwards? He said, if you think that's going to put me off, you, you, you don't know me that well. I thought, oh. I mean, there was an opportunity there, wasn't there, for a gag. And a lot of people, because there is this now force of movement behind Starmer where they just want the toys out so bad. They want power so bad. I mean, that was one of the themes of this Labour conference is like, they could have called the slogan, we want power, because a lot of it was just, look, fuck it, we will say it. We'll say whatever it takes. Just give us the power, please. Um... So they wanted to believe that Starmer's reaction to it represented a very strong... I mean, look, he was unruffled, I'll say that, in fairness to him. Um, but he didn't have any good jokes off the back of it. I think even I think even Liz Truss last year, and you know, I think, I think even certain Tories at conference who you wouldn't expect to have a decent gag have had good comebacks. But, um, yeah, all he said was, oh, you've you got another thing coming, buddy boy. Um, look, some of the jokes he could have done, he could have said, look, you've got glitter. All we need now is to just stop oil lot and we'd have the glue. Right, there you go. Boom. How's the, you wouldn't even have to do a speech then. You could have just walked off and gone, care out. Now, I know I mention the voice a lot and it is not 
a very evolved take. It, it's just it is what it is, right? Kia's voice is what it is, just like Rishi's smug little face is also what it is. But it is like you know when it starts talking. Look, when I was brought up, I was brought up in a pebble dash semi. And it just, you go, oh, I'm already getting bored, right? Stay zoned in, stay zoned in. But this does sound like, his voice sounds like, do you remember John Major's Cones Hotline? It sounds like that, brought to life, like in a Pixar film. Hello, I'm the, I'm the Traffic Cones Hotline. Like, if that was the voice of a Traffic Cones Hotline in a Pixar film, just a traffic cone, you go, yep, that's good casting. It was a bit light on detail. So the overall feel of the speech was, you know, also a bit like Rishi. It was quite prime ministerial. It was a bit statesman-like at times. It was light on detail. It's definitely light on, on new shit, you know. Um, he mentioned about the, the house building. So he said, new towns, Labour towns. And I think once you've already committed to building 1.5 million houses across a five-year period, which I think is what the Tories... Promised in 2019, though um, not going to deliver it. Um, that means 300,000 a year. I think you're going to end up with some new towns there. Eh? I mean, I think that's kind of <laughs> it's kind of inevitable, isn't it? Labour towns. I mean, I wouldn't call them that. Just as a, a word to the wise, labour towns. That does sound a bit like labour camps. And they obviously they spent the uh, they spent the non-dom money. They spent the non-dom money again. I, I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times. They've spent it so far. We could keep a little running count of whatever money they think is going to be made. What is it? Five to six billion. And it sort of reminded me a little bit of like me uh, with PPI. Um, <laughs> like me with PPI. I, I just when I made a PPI claim, I, I'd got I got an idea, a figure in my head, and thought, right, I'm going to get ten grand. And then I spent that ten grand about four times. So it does feel like Rachel uh, and Kia are, are are in that same mindset. And then there's tax loopholes for schools. They're going to be closing tax loopholes for private schools. We're going to invest that money. We're going to invest. And what was the the policy that they mentioned this week about how they're going to, um, how they're going to, um, I can't, was it teachers or, or people in the NHS? Oh, it was the NHS, right? So they're going to get them working weekends. We're going to get them working. We're going to get them working. We're going to pay them overtime. And that seemed like such a leap of faith to me because a lot of, those guys do their private work at the weekend. So you're either in the situation where you've got to effectively give a massive pay rise, right? Or you just say, please, <laughs> please, but we're the Labour Party. And they say, well, we you know when the Tories asked us to, to work more and we, we didn't fancy that. Go, yes, yes, we fully understand that. But we are the Labour Party. I mean, that, it, that does seem to be a lot of the philosophy for how Labour are going to succeed is that, you know, identify the problem, say what they want as the outcome. And when people ask them, what the plan is or the strategic route to get there. They just go, well, look, we're just, we cannot, I mean, like home building, for example, like a good example, sorry, and I'm jumping about a bit here, but Starmer was pushed uh, on newscast about like, well, what are you going to do? Are you just going to overrule uh, planning, um, you know, local councils and stuff? Go, look, it just kept going back. Look, people want to own their own homes. This is all he does. It just goes back to a simple thing. Like, like but Keir, how are you going to make the economy grow? Look, people want to have nice holidays. Okay, yeah, good. Look, but how are we going to be the fastest growing economy in the G7 forever? Look, people like going out to the restaurant. Oh, you're so in touch. You've worked out that people like holidays and restaurants and want houses. Well done for understanding some of the fundamentals of you. How are you going to fucking do it, Keir? Look, I, I, think, you're, I, I think you're not hearing what I'm saying, Keir. Children like having games consoles.
Now, there will be a lot of people that have said for some time that, well, you know, Labour don't have to put um, specifics on the board. It's, you know, it's for the government to do that. Labour are just the opposition. You think, well, you can't talk out both sides of your mouth where you're boasting about Labour's lead, talking about the fact that the Tories are a busted flush. There could legitimately be an election in May. So you talk about by spring of next year, Keir Starmer could well be, probably will be, you know, whenever that election comes, will be the Prime Minister. So it is actually time to start mapping out a vision and and it does what happened was at this conference was in the conference i mean it was a much better run conference than the tory party conference it was very well drilled everyone was fucking bang on message you know everything that rachel or keir said got a massive round of applause you know just i mean it what it must have been a dream fucking gig you know if it was me i would have been thinking if i was keir i might fucking retire that was just awesome awesome he, he, all he had to do was just like flick a bead of sweat from his left brow, and people said, this, you know, party activists would be going, this just shows that Keir is ready for government, you know, on various other political por- podcasts. I saw a man up there that would just, when he flicked that sweat, he's ready for government. This is a Labour Party that's serious about government. I mean, the, it is amazing that there are some parts of the media that don't think that they're biased, that are literally sort of parroting Labour talking points. But anyway, anyway, so what happened was, you know, and, and what was fair was that the, the sort of Labour... The Labour machine was pretty well drilled. There was no mishaps. There was no nonsense. You know, there was no real equivalent of kind of Liz Truss doing a fringe event, which, by the way, got exaggerated so much in the media from a person having a well-attended fringe event in in a, in a small room to, to Liz Truss is now running the Conservative Party. The queues, the queues, the queues were round the block. The queues were from Manchester all the way down the M62 to Liverpool and St. Helens. It really got really got a bit silly during conference season. But what happened was then, then Keir Starmer, so in the room, he did something which was quite impressive in a way. He stood up and gave unequivocal support for Israel. Now, that sort of showed the degree to which it is his party now, right? He's got control of it. You think even two years ago, Jesus, under Corbyn, I mean, not two years ago, brother, but you know, even two years ago under Starmer, that would have got a very different reaction. Remember that first conference back after COVID? He was heckled to fuck. So he's established control over the party machinery. And that's all well and good. So in the conference, within the tightly controlled sort of sphere of the Labour conference, unless you're a bloke running on with glitter, it was all well controlled. But then he, he has this interview with Beth Rigby and, and she kind of questions him. Like It's just the simple questions that he'll have to answer at some point. It's like... Did you really want Jeremy Corbyn to be prime minister, given what you've said about him since? And he, he just kept he just kept going back to these talking points. You know, people want nice restaurants. <laughs> and so he once he's outside of that kind of sometimes sycophantic. Uh, it is weird, the sycophancy about Starmer. They're a group of people that I guess it's because they're so angry with the Tories. They've taken that emotion. They've put it on him. I don't know if he's fully worthy of that. But it's it's odd, right? And um, so he had a challenging interview with Beth Rigby. Then he was on um, LBC with Nick Ferrari, and, and Nick Ferrari quite wisely saw that you know standing up and saying that we support Israel is a good way of reminding people that you have taken on the anti-Semites in the Labour Party, which is true, right? Which is true. But then when confronted with the question like, do you support? You're saying that you support Israel's right to defend herself. Do you support a seize of Gaza? Gaza, and and Starmer was so flummoxed by this question, he did that thing which politicians are never supposed to do, which he said, "Look, I just, I want to get back on, which means, which well, you're saying the quiet part out loud is, look, I want to go back to talking point number four. People want nice houses, so it was a reminder in a way that, however well, and it did go well, the conference for Labour, 
Uh, they probably didn't get as much coverage, obviously, because of other events. But there's no, there's no doubt that, that it was a good conference. But it's a reminder that once they get outside of that hall, man, it's not quite as easy. And then we had, on the final day of conference, Wes Streeting. And it was interesting, Wes Streeting's speech, because he used the word bad in relation to the NHS. He said the word bad. I mean, like, it's strange in politics and the Labour Party how such a simple thing could be so radical to use anything other than our brave men and women, our wonderful NHS. Well, you know, like, everyone's just literally got fucking superlative diarrhoea when it comes to talking about the, the NHS. And he, he did plenty of that too. You know, he obviously said positive things about uh, the NHS. But I thought, I wonder if maybe, just on an individual level, Wes Streeting might be the guy to reform the NHS. Because the problem is with the Tories, the perception is always, they're going to sell it. 15 days to save the NHS. Seven hours. It's like those old Adam West Batman shows, isn't it? Is this the end for the Cape Crusader? Well, no, the NHS will always carry on. But I sort of thought that, the problem the Tories have is whenever they try to reform it, it's always the nasty part. They want to get rid of it. They want to sell it to Donald Trump in exchange for some chlorinated fucking chicken. Um, but, you know, the Labour Party will be indulged more, you know. So just on a purely health thing, I sort of thought, I wonder if the Labour Party might be better placed to actually to make the changes in the NHS that are needed. And overall, I suppose the, the main thing for the Labour Party, what, what represented a good conference? Yes, there was the slightly overly ecstatic responses to Rachel Reeves and Keir Starmer's speeches, which, which you know, made them feel good. But the main thing that they wanted was to, to not have any nutters, you know what I mean? To not, to not have any cock-ups, you know, to not, to not have any cranks. I mean, when that guy came on stage, they must have been like, oh, fuck, here we go. Here we go. What's he going to say? Is the next word out of his mouth going to be Gaza or is it? Is it going to be something about Jeremy Corbyn? And it must have been a real gift for them that what he said was some incomprehensible shit about people's... I still don't know what the geezer was on about. But I, I want to end with a cricket analogy. I think that what this was for Labour was their, the afternoon session, OK? The afternoon session, don't lose any wickets, right? And then, you know, once we get into the realms of a general election campaign, they're going to go full ball in the evening. I mean, I know that when you look at Rachel Reeves and... Keir Starmer and Yvette Cooper, the words Baz, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not seeing like Baz Ball, I'm not seeing hard hitting stroke makers there. And listen, that is the end of the second ever What Most People Think Breaking News. And in honour to the dear departed Harold, um, you'll notice that I didn't do a hype for any of my tour shows, which you can get on Live Nation uh, going into spring 24, loads of new dates. And I didn't mention that uh, on Amazon, my book, The British bloke decoded uh, is available so so fare you well Harold I'm, I'm just going to focus on what we had rather than what we've lost and to end on a positive I'm going to I'm going to read out the five star reviews this is from 50 now he gives it so this is the nice thing he's got one gripe with the podcast but overall he enjoys it so he gives it a five star he says that basically he thinks it's mind crushingly tedious to talk about comedy um, I know what you look I get that but also whenever I do have people on and we have a good comedy chat there are a lot of people that seem to enjoy it so I try and you know, I try and spread the subjects around. Um, Brian Hastings says it's hard but fair. If you want the most hilarious and common sense takes on what's going on in the world, then this is the podcast for you. Thank you very much. Uh, and I think that those are the reviews for now. So if you want to leave a five-star review, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, please leave that iTunes or anywhere you get your podcast provider. And I'll be back next week, possibly uh, with adverts, but definitely with another episode of What Most People Think. <laughs>